And he goes, look, um, you have tested positive for HIV. And I just, I just, I physically, like everything he said after that, I I don't even know what he was saying. Mm. I, I physically dropped to the ground and I just remember like everything was moving so fast around me, but it was like, it was still at the same time. Welcome to the podcast. My name's Darren Levy and today's guest is Terry Kearns. She was a passenger of mine back in 2018 and featured on an episode of Funny Uber Rides. Now, if you watch that video, which I'll link below, you'll assume that Terry is somewhat of a party animal, which maybe once upon a time she was, but now she runs a successful marketing agency. She regularly beats the crap out of people in the ring and she's got a podcast called Fair Bit Going On, which I was actually a guest on last week. And yep, she still likes to party, but not as much, because her plate's pretty full and she's got shit to do. The main reason I invited Terry onto the podcast is because last year she was diagnosed with HIV, and the story of what came afterwards is a mixture of shocking, terrifying, intense, and... At the same time, inspirational. I can't wait for you to hear it directly from her, so without any further ado, enjoy. Yes. Yes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Are we recording already? So, yep. This, this, this is going, I should have known. Going, I should have known. You know how this works. <laughs> I know how this works. <laughs> it's never stopping. I know you're a Revs fan. I know that that's like your your watering hole. Can I be like an ex Revs fan? I feel oh, really? like I haven't been there in a while, and I. Do you know what? I stopped going there as soon as one time I didn't go there for probably like, I'm going to say a month. It was over Christmas and New Year's. And the security guard messaged me asking me if I was okay because he hadn't seen me. I was like, that's a problem. <laughs> that that's a serious problem. That so that's when I was like, right. I've got to tap out. Really? I've got to tap out. Yeah. Is, this, is this the rebrand of Tez? It's the rebrand, yeah. Wow. I'm more of like a... That's why I like living where I do now because I'm closer to um, like Swan Street where there's just like cool rooftop bars, not like there's still like dance floors and people still get rowdy, but it's not full on like club vibes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I still go to electric and things like that, but I'm just so past like sitting in the smokers talking. I, to be fair, I would still love that, <laughs> but just like not going home for days at a time. Yeah feeling like absolute rubbish and because it started to affect like my work and my business because I wasn't doing as good of a work as of work that I knew that I could so I I don't go to ribs anymore but I still I still love it it's so good. If somebody came from outside of Melbourne, I'd definitely take them. (laughs) I I respect that so much because yeah I feel like this is the um what is it maybe it's just the natural progression of I think so like party goer when I first met you which we're going to get to that but progression of that version of Tez to like you're a a business mastermind now you're a a a marketer Um, but then what about like I know it's probably not necessarily your type of music but like Love Mac have you been to Love Mac? I think I've honestly been there like once or twice right is it because of the shootings? I, I just never really thought it was my scene. Sure. Suitings didn't really throw me off at all. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about them, but I never would have been like, nah, I'm not going there because 
Somebody got shot there. Honestly, so because so it, it's actually probably more my scene than it because I like R and B hip hop. Yeah, music. yeah, yeah. Um, but the shootings thing because they've had two sets of it's shootings. Been, yeah, there, and it blows my mind. And I had a passenger the other night who was talking about about um, about the shootings, and they were there like that night, but they had no idea it was happening. Yeah, there was obviously music and everything. But um, I, it's just so wild to me that like that shit can happen at a club. And it still operates. And then I was like, oh, I'm picking up Tez. Obviously, my mind went to Revs. <laughs> yeah. but, but, like, r- people have died at Revs. Yeah. Because well, a- there's a few different things, though. Because you hear that and you hear the classic story of somebody they, somebody was found, like, behind the couch, like, mm. three days later or whatever the rumor is. Yeah. And then I've also heard from people that that's not true at all. Really? Uh, yeah. Huh. So, and it's nowhere on the internet. Like, you can't find it at all. I was like, I think this is one of those rumours that have just got really out of control. Ah. But I could be wrong because it is, at the same time, believable. It was very, it's very believable at a venue like Revs because it's open from, what, Saturday night to, to Monday Yeah, and I think now... I don't know if this is because... It's probably because of things that happen. They close for like an hour for cleaning at a certain point of time. Get rid of the dead bodies. Yeah, yeah. get rid of the bodies. <laughs> sweep, up, sweep up behind the couch. <laughs> okay, oh, interesting. No fair. Yeah. I, um, it's, you know what? You make a very good point. Even the fact that you said it's not online, I haven't even Googled it. I just took it for people's word. I did, I did because... I was like, if this was, if this actually happened, surely it would have blown up. But then again, like I've been at Revs, and I always make friends with like the security guards. Like I've smoked a joint in the Revs smokers with the security guard because he was like, we've got to go to this exact park because it's out of the cameras. And I rolled a doobie with him, and we smoked this joint. I was like, this is the fucking best. So then I asked him. I was asking him these questions, and he was the one that said it was like, um, there's a lot of rumours that go around, but there obviously is a lot of shit that does happen. And then just as we were talking about this, smoking the doobie, this like businessman walks in, like there's a different door like out the back smoker's bit, and he comes in through that bit, and I was like, who's that guy? And he goes, that's the Revs lawyer. So Uh, they've got like this specific lawyer. He looked like he meant business. Like, I was like, fuck, he must have some interesting cases. Around what time of the night was this? You mean day? The sun had risen. (laughs) The first time I met Terry was as an Uber driver. I was taking her and her friend Miranda home at the end of their night. Honestly, every time everyone asks me, like, what's my go-to story? Like, I can do... I tell that story that I go... Because it's such a turn of events and I yeah. get in this Uber and then mm. I'm being recorded telling the story and then Snoop Dogg shares the video <laughs> like everyone's like what the fuck <laughs> I uh, I gotta give it to you cause like obviously yeah we're all we're, we've, we're all like born with a different level of openness yeah. naturally yeah. but I feel like you're one of the most open people <laughs> and no but 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 in a very positive way because a lot of people would say, see that and go oh man like how do you feel safe and everything but on the flip side of that you're a fucking fighter <laughs> yeah. as well so like you can hold your own yeah. if shit goes down. has it ever gone a little bit like you know you've gotten yourself into a situation where from from your natural propensity to openness mm. and you're like all right now i got to get out i don't think so that like i hate like street fighting i hate fighting in the street I hate anything that's like confrontation like outside of a ring or even like arguments or anything like that I try like I'm the kind of person that can like get along with anybody so mm. it has to mm. take something like a lot to mm. get me like wound up or mad and 
there hasn't really been many situations that I've felt like I've had to use my skills or use my training to get myself out of. Because you're a master de-escalator. Yeah, I, I, I use my words. Yeah, no, so I think that's like the way it has to be done right yeah where do you think it starts i feel like because you're very smiley as well like i feel like that's like who wants to hit someone's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 100%, that's a good point <laughs> always smiling but no i think it's like one of those it's a skill that you can definitely develop mm. but i don't think it's a skill you can start off with nothing like my entire life i've been the one that like everyone's like how did you get away with that like mm. all through school all through school all through, like, getting out of things was my parents' de-escalating mm. situations where, you know, I, I was definitely in the wrong, but I've just gone and apologised straight away, knowing I'm in the wrong, and taking full responsibility is something that I've always, if, it, if I'm in the wrong, I will always, always do. So I think it's like, I don't know, I guess not having an ego, which you learn from martial arts very, very quickly. Mm. So I think that's a huge part of it. So I've been doing martial arts for six seven years now so doing martial arts has definitely developed that skill for me and understanding like you know you can't you can't have an ego in the sport and you can translate what you learn from martial arts into so many different like aspects of your life yeah but i feel like like the gift of the gab and talking yourself out of shit is is a skill that you're born with or you're not born with (laughs) you've got a podcast called fair bit going on yes Long-time listener, first-time yes. interviewer. <laughs> yeah. um, and in your, in one of your podcasts, you shared a story that blew my mind mm-hmm. um, and is kind of like one of the main things that I was curious to ask you about yep. today. Um, the, 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 I don't even know how to approach this like delicately because it's quite a... From an outsider looking in, it, it's quite an intense thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping that maybe you could take me through the process yeah. of um, when you were initially diagnosed with HIV. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll start from the start. Obviously, yeah. I'm like very open about talking talking about this because it, it took me a while to though. Like, um, so being a fighter, I have to get tested for anything that can be transmitted by blood, which is like. HIV, hepatitis, ABC, anything like that. Um, so I, when I'm fighting actively, I have to get tested, depending on what promotion it is. Sometimes it's every three months or every six months. Okay. So usually, like, I get tested minimum twice a year. Okay. So it's like a normal process for me. Nothing, nothing out of the order. And it was just like, I'm fighting again. Let's go get this done. Okay. But it was like a, um, this one was a last minute fight that I got a call up for. So. <clears throat> I got the call up a week out. I took the fight, but my bloods weren't up to date. So I went to the doctors, <clears throat> got my blood test, and I usually get the results back in about three days. Okay. So I got to the Saturday, and I was fighting on the Sunday, and I still didn't have them back. So that was like day five or six. And I rung the doctor's office, um, and it was like the reception. They're like, okay, we need you to... Um, make a urgent um appointment with the doctor so in my head I started like freaking out um because I'd only gone in for like those tests like usually I'll get the other um 
the other ones as well, which like just while I'm there, I'm like, I'm gonna get tested for chlamydia and gonorrhea, yeah, no, no, sure. <laughs> the least serious ones. For sure. um, so I always just kill a couple of birds with one doctor's visit and get like every sort of like he- uh, sexual health checkup that I that I can while I'm there. Kill like six vials of yeah, yeah. literally. Because I'm like, I just want to know that I'm being safe. Sure. Um, and so there was only there was one person that I had slept with on purpose without a condom, a guy that I had been seeing. Um, and there was another one that was before him that the condom had come off. Okay. Um, so there was only like two possibilities. Um, and so that was kind of what was going through my head. And I was like, no, like this guy that I'm seeing, like, (laughs) you know, like it's like, these are serious things. Like, no. So I was like, okay, stop freaking out. Wait till you actually, actually know what's going on because you don't know what's going on yet so i tried to like calm myself down but i was already like i had this gut feeling yeah like this really really bad gut feeling i was like nope something is seriously wrong okay and then is this when it was like one day late or three like how no so i was meant to be fighting the next day and there was an hour for me to wait for the doctor's appointment because they wouldn't tell me anything over the phone gotcha gotcha i got to the doctor's office like but it was meant to be a telehealth appointment because I was just, like, flipping out. Yeah. And I was, like, outside, and I was, like, trying to knock on the door like an absolute crazy person, but it's closed. I was, like, I just need to talk to somebody. My best friend was away, like, at a wedding, so I, I had nobody to talk to. Sure. Um, I tried to call my best friend back home. She didn't answer, and this was, like, before my even appointment was on. Yeah. So then I spoke to her, and she's, like, Tears, it's going to be fine. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you obviously don't have that. And then... So I went home, I waited for the doctor to call me because I couldn't get inside because it was closed. And then, um, so the doctor calls me, I'm on the phone and he goes, are you with anybody? And I'm like, no, I'm at home by myself. And then (coughs) um, he goes, okay, well, do you have like a support person that you can, and that's when I was like, you need to tell me what the fuck is going on because yeah. you're stressing me out yeah. even more, like, building this up. Yeah. And he goes, look, um, you have tested positive for HIV. Wow. And I just, I just, I physically, like, everything he said after that, I, I don't even know what he was saying. Mm. I, I physically dropped to the ground and I just remember, like, everything was moving so fast around me but it was like it was still at the same time. Wow. It's such a hard thing to describe about how like everything was spinning I instantly thought my life was over I thought I was gonna die like I was like I'm never can have kids I can never get married like all of these things that I didn't think I wanted like especially right now but when you are instantly throwing of hearing something like that about your life Mm. it's just like a whirlwind of emotions and thinking about every possible outcome and I think I managed to, like, calm my do- myself down slightly. And the doctor goes, look, um, we still need to, like, confirm the test result. And I'm like, what? There's no, like, how would it be po- how would it be positive if it's not positive? Mm-hmm. Um, which was all that was going through my mind. I'm like, I think, like, false positive results are really, really, really unlikely. Like, how would that be my luck? Like, if I was to get one of those, like, it's got to be positive. So he said... Um, the real test results would be back within three days. And those next three days, 
I, I've blacked out. Like, I don't know what I did for those three days. Just, just to, just to understand the, the false positive thing, mm-hmm. um, in the same way some people return false positive tests for COVID. Correct. It's like when the PCR, because the PCR test is sensitive. Yeah. It can sometimes just basically be Yeah, wrong. so the PCR test is so, so reactive to the to the slightest things, mm. which is why people can get them for COVID and they might have, I don't know, a different sort of like virus. But even though the PCR test can differentiate between the common cold, the common flu, mm. and COVID usually, sometimes it triggers it anyway to get a positive. But then the next one they take, it'll probably be negative. Gotcha. But they're just so, so, so sensitive. Okay. okay. Um, and it also is dependent on... So they, like, go in rotations. So when you, like, put these into the machine, depending on how fast they're going can also affect false positives. Okay. So if the faster they're going, the more false positives you can get, basically. Okay. I understand. Um, so it's, a, yeah, the same sort of test that happens with COVID is the same ones for these initial... HIV results but then so so after that um, <coughs> he said it would actually get, it's not like a, um, a test, it's actually my bloods get looked at by somebody in the lab so like a scientist is going to have like a closer look at my blood to see what's going on Okay. Um, so those three days like it's still I still don't know what, I don't think I left my house I took like um, I took a lot of drugs just like um, like numbing drugs, basically. Mm. I took a lot of um, Xanax. Mm. I think I instantly took like three Xanax. Mm. I smoked so much weed, and I was just drinking. Were, so were it was, you, was like, anybody with you? No. At home? Were you FaceTiming anybody? Or? I told Miranda. Yeah. So Miranda was getting back. I think it was she was getting back on the day three. Okay. Um, so she, as soon as she got back, she came like straight to mine. She found me like, I was like lying on the floor, like fucked, like out of it, like smoking cigarettes, like inside my house. I don't even smoke cigarettes. Wow. Like I was just really, really not well. In another place. In a complete another place. Um, so then those three days were up and I still hadn't heard back from the doctor. And then... I rung them, got reception, and then they were like, oh, like, we'll get the doctor to call you back when he can. And I was like, well, that's it. It's positive. Like, Mm. there's no other, like, really, like, in my head, I can't see it going any other way because, like, he's got to call me back again. So if that was negative, they'd just tell me on the phone. Yes. So basically on the day four, he calls me. He goes, look, I've got some good news and some not got so good news. He goes, "Um, it's not 100% positive but it's not negative. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, what the actual fuck does that mean? So they said it's not a confirmed case, but it still could be, basically. And what he meant by that was, it, if you um, contract the HIV virus, it doesn't completely show in your bloodstream for a while. It usually takes about four weeks. So if you've got this virus in you and it's just starting to, like, attack your cells, you can have, like, little... Like, there's a little bit of the virus so it can be picked up, but it's not visible in your blood just yet. So for that next four weeks, I thought that this virus could be, like, it's starting to attack me, 
um, and that's what they picked up the little bit, which would have made sense for when I slept with the guy unprotected. And that was like the one time that I'd done it like um, on purpose. It wasn't like it came off, so it was more likely that it would have been from him. Gotcha. So I called him at some point. I don't know what part it was. I was still quite blackout. Is this this is off, sorry. This is after after that those three days. They pretty much say you're gonna need to wait now another month. Another yeah. And this is at this point you call this guy. Yeah. Okay, I understand. Go yeah. On. yeah go so on. I call him and I like can't even speak. I'm like this blubbering, crying mess. And he's like, tears. Like, what's going on? And I was like, he's like, just breathe. He was trying to like talk me through because I couldn't even fucking speak. Um, he thought I was pregnant, sure. yeah. which is that's where my mind would go. Yeah, hundred well, percent. Sure. Sure. Um, so I finally got it out, and like naturally, he freaks out as well. Um, so he has to go get tested, but he gets tested, and then they tell him he has to do it again in four weeks as well. So it was like this big, like longest process of my life, and so after that. Um, so, so, so in the four week period now, yeah, you're still going to work. Yeah. Are you still? Are you seeing friends? Can, I am. Do you have that in you? So the first maybe like week or so, I think I did nothing. Like yes. I think I told all my clients I was sick, mm-hmm. um, and I just took that week off. Yep. And that was like a week where I just was doing that same shit. I was numbing myself. I was taking more Xanax. I was smoking a shitload of weed. I was drinking at least like two bottles of wine a day. And this was like all by myself. And then Miranda would come over and like stay with me quite a lot actually. But this was like in the day by myself like didn't want to tell people. I told one person that was like my support person through it all. Um... And then, so, that's kind of the main reason why I, like, wanted to come out and speak about it eventually is because every single day, apart from that first week, I, like, pulled myself together throughout the day. I would go to these business meetings, I would see friends, I would do everything normally, and no one picked up on anything, and then at the end of the day, I'd go home and I would just cry I would be this big stay I would drink more I would smoke more I would do all this and I was like how crazy is it that I can go and act so normally to these people that know me really well like my best friends my clients I've worked with for years and no one can pick up on anything so how many other people are going through something that's like the worst thing of their life that's so hard for them to cope with mentally and they're just turning up and acting normal, like, mm. and you want, you might be, like, rude to somebody because you're having a bad day, but they could be having the worst day of their life and you don't even know. Wow, yeah. So that's why, like, I guess I wanted to, like, talk about it eventually. Amazing. Um, just to be, like, you know, never be a dick <laughs> to anybody. A hundred percent. And just, just, to, just to build onto that, like, I think that also is testament to... The, the open nature that you have just with everybody in general. What's interesting to me about that is because I relate to a lot of your uh, like openness. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like I'm as I'm listening to the story, I'm trying to go like, what would I do if I was in that situation? Which I don't know because mm. like I really don't know. But the more you explain it, I think I would probably do the same. I think I would probably show up, 
and keep it to myself initially mm-hmm. because it's forgive me if I'm wrong but it's easier it's so much easier explaining or trying to get someone to ex- to understand the, the mental anguish you're in that's a a mountain in itself mm-hmm. and that's another task that you'd have to and especially know, with like I feel like there's such a stigma around like sexually contracted viruses sure. diseases and things like that rather than like um, I don't know if I had something else wrong with me that just came naturally it's so much more of a stigma so I was like people were gonna like judge me a hundred percent like it's such a different sort of thing to cut like for that to be wrong with you like if it was cancer yeah which is also like a terribly a yeah. ter- terrifying disease mm-hmm. it yeah I think I think I think you're right like people would be people would be comfortable talking about that than yeah you know people would be probably making fundraisers for me people would be doing this and that not talking behind my back being like oh my god she got HIV yeah that's fucked wow okay you know so it's such like even like mentally like that I was like people were gonna think differently of me like nobody's gonna even wanna like hug me or come near me or Mm. touch me like it just all of these thoughts were going through my head and I was like I don't want that I don't want people to, you know, I don't, one, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. Mm. Two, I don't want my family to be, like, so worried about me because obviously I learned a lot about, like, what it would mean if I if the end result is that mm. throughout um, this whole experience. And it's not at all now what I thought. Everybody still has the same mindset that HIV is what it was 20 years ago and it's like this death sentence Mm. but we can yeah we can get to that a little bit later on but the it's just not it's not what you think it is and I learned that over time but I was like nobody knows this Mm -hmm. literally when I've had these conversations with my friends like nobody knows it's like everybody has the same thought like oh that's like a death sentence you're gonna die or you know like only gay people get that drug users and it's just not the case at all it can affect literally anybody interesting yeah no the only the only before i listened to your podcast on this mm-hmm. um the only time i'd really been exposed to any content talking about hiv wasn't even hiv it was aids but uh, mm-hmm. dallas buyers club yeah that's like the and and that movie taught me quite a bit mm-hmm. about it, and that's like you know more for entertainment. So you're right, like it's just not really spoken about much yeah. at all. And then you're like you know like famous people like Freddie Mercury died of AIDS, mm. and it was bef- like before there was like treatments and everything. So you your mind automatically goes to like you know those famous big names, yes. huge worldwide names that got it and died from it. Yes. It's like instantly what you think. Yes. Are you a huge cunt? Us too. Wait, can we even say cunt? Of course. It's empowering these days. Cunt, 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 cunt. I'm Ange Balasone, a.k.a. The Drag Queen, Fat Girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess. And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch. A gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge ass couch. While we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy. And cunty. With us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the hell am I in full drag? And we'll see you on the big... Cu- oh, wait. I thought we were going to say that together. No. On the big cutty couch. Mwah. So, you 
a month in. I'm a month in. Yes. So (laughs) after four weeks, I have to go back and get retested. Mm -hmm. So four weeks passes, I get um, referrals from my doctor, go back to uh, the place that does the blood work. Um, And I'm in there and I'm like shaking. I'm absolutely terrified. And the guy that took my blood was so lovely. Like, God bless so many of these people that were unintentionally there and said the right thing at the right time um, that I just really needed and they didn't even know that they were there for me when I needed it most Um, so I go get them done and then the doctor says you know since these are like the confirming results it's a different it's not through the PCR test it's to the lab for scientists to look at it so he goes, this can take up to 10 days. So <coughs> Another 10 days. Another 10 oh, days. Fuck's sake. So this whole thing went for Jesus almost Christ. six weeks. Holy shit. So I waited the 10 days, got to day 10, yeah. and I was like, up to 10 days. Like, come on. If, when you say up to, like, surely I was thinking like day six or seven. Sure. So I called the doctor, and they did the same thing again. Like, oh, we've got your results but we can't tell you over the phone. And this is the first time I just fucking lost it. I completely and utterly lost it on the phone. I was like, I was crying, but I was past the point of just being so upset. I was angry. Mm. I was like, I have just been through the worst six weeks of my life. You're telling me that you've got my results right in front of you and you can't tell me what they are it was the most frustrating thing and upsetting thing because Mm. I was like this is my fucking life Mm. my life is in front of you like the Mm. outcome of my life is in front of you and you're just saying "Mm, no we'll get the doctor to call you back Mm. I'm like when's the doctor gonna call me back and they said oh he's really busy it could take a few days I'm like like this is my life you don't know what I've been through mentally physically like this last six weeks and it was it was fucking awful so they heard my like obviously like not in a good way this distress um and they obviously knew the situation like because i've been going in there to get my bloods done for years like they know i'm a fighter they know everything Mm. um so then that night i went over to miranda she's like no come stay at mine like it's gonna be fine i went inside at hers we had a couple of wines together and then it got to maybe like it was just before 10 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and my phone starts ringing mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the doctor's number, but I start, I literally start freaking out. I'm like shaking. I can't, I literally can't even answer the phone. Miranda's like, fucking answer the phone. What are you doing? And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> so she like puts it on, puts it on speaker and it's the doctor. And I'm like hyperventilating. I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack. He goes, all right, Terry, it's all right, it's all right. He goes, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm fine? Like, is it is it negative? And he goes, yep, it's it's negative, you're fine. Wow. So he knew that he had to get that out straight away. Wow. And then I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, yeah. what was that? Yeah. And he said that it could have been um, down to multiple reasons because I was, I was confused. I was like... In this modern day of medicine, yeah. how does that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so one, it could have been um, 
my when when you're like really fit it changes your blood yep so it, that could have been something that something that triggered it because i was just before a fight is that like a hormonal thing i i don't i don't know i looked into it a little bit but i'm not knowledgeable enough i didn't research it that much i just know that that's one of the possibilities okay um two he said that I could have been in contact with somebody that is positive, right. and I haven't contracted the virus, but there was some, like, I don't know, a trace of it perhaps sure. at the start, sure. but I didn't contract it. Interesting. Which was, again, I was like, that's scary enough in itself. Yeah. Um, and I've always been, like, the safe one out of my friends. Like, if one of my friends doesn't use a condom, I'm like... You're so stupid. I'm like, mm. go get tested right now. I'm like mm. number one advocate for condoms, especially when it's like, um, like you're going home with somebody you don't know. Mm. So that was, I was like, oh, like I just don't know if it could be that because obviously that other guy tested negative as well. Um, but there was that one person where the condom came off mm. and it was only for like a brief second, but I was like, he could have had that and I could have been exposed to it and that's when I started learning more about how hard it actually is to contract HIV even if like you're if I had sex with him normally there would be a, and I purposely didn't use a condom and he did have it there would be about a one in 500 chance of me contracting it really? because it's harder to get through bodily fluids than it is with blood and that's why HIV is more common in the gay community because when you're having anal sex it's more likely to tear and have that bit of blood rather I than see. just bodily fluids when there's um when there's a lower level of of virus which is your viral load and I that's see. with anything so I see so I, so I didn't know that mm. I didn't I didn't know that detail so when somebody for example does test positive for HIV um, they get their viral loads tested, so that's how much virus they've got in their body, yes. and they get their CDCs counted. So that's like when your CDC goes below 200, that's when you're considered that you've got AIDS. So that's the only difference What's a CDC? between I don't know what it stands for. It's basically like a count of I think it's something in your blood. It's something. It's and it's your cells. It's like how healthy you are. It's your your immune system. Okay. I don't know exactly what it stands for. Okay. But it's like your your health and how your immune system um, gets rid of rid of viruses and that's what HIV attacks is your immune system gotcha. and your ability to fight off other things so gotcha. when that's really low and you get you have AIDS because you can't contract AIDS mm-hmm. it has to turn something has to turn into AIDS and it isn't HIV isn't the only thing that you can get AIDS from what's the difference between HIV and AIDS so HIV AIDS is what can potentially come from HIV so HIV is is the virus that can like lead to it. So that's gotcha. that's when you get your CDCs counted. Okay. And if they are below, like a normal person's probably like five hundred to a thousand. Okay. That's like would be considered healthy. Um, and if it goes below two hundred, that's when you're considered that you've got AIDS. But if you've got below two hundred CDC count. Mm-hmm. Could you also have a plethora of other viruses? Or and things? then it can attack you easily. So sure. when you've got AIDS, everything else attacks you. You could die from a common cold because it would sure. kill your immune system so quickly because you don't have that protection okay. because 
the AIDS is attacking your whole immune defense system. Right. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you could like, I don't know if you had some other like really bad disease that was attacking your immune system. Like technically, I guess you could end up with AIDS. That's so interesting. So yeah. like once you have HIV, you really need to maintain a high level of health. Yeah. So that's just generally. Generally, and um, <laughs> that's why. So people that are HIV positive, they take one. Per, most of them. There's a few different methods now or treatments. They take one pill a day, mm-hmm. and their viral load goes down so low that if they just did a normal test, they would be negative. Mm. Which means that they're undetectable. So when you're undetectable. There's no possible way to pass it on. You could have sex as many times as you want. It's impossible for you to pass it on. So if you have HIV, you can still have sex with strangers with a condom? Depends where you are in the world. In Australia, if you're undetectable, you don't have to disclose your status to sexual partners. By law? Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. Do you know anywhere where you do? Um, or is this like most... It's most developed countries. There's even states in America that it's one or the other. Like some some states you do have to, some states you don't have to. Gee, what a mindfuck. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. So there's a good chance that, you know, people out and about Friday, Saturday night, clubs, mm. bars in Australia are sleeping with somebody with AIDS and they're totally... Sorry, HIV... Yeah. And they're totally fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a... That hasn't been transferred and doesn't have to be disclosed. A hundred percent, yeah. So interesting. But I guess it would be more so, like, everybody... Because I've now... Now that I've been through this and talked openly about it, I've met multiple people with HIV. Really? And their kind of outlook on it is like, you know, yeah, I don't have to disclose it, but I'm going to because it opens a conversation about learning what this is that nobody knows and also, mm. like... If I want to have a future with this person or keep seeing them, like, mm. I want that trust from the start. Mm. So that's their outlook on it. But just from, like, a law aspect in Australia, they don't have to if they don't want to. And that's how far the, like, um, so they did, this, they did this study in the UK <coughs> um, over a period of multiple years. It was over 50,000 couples, so over 100,000 people. Half of them were HIV positive and half of them were HIV negative. All on the same medication, all undetectable, Mm. all having sex consistently with no protection. Mm. And there was not one case where the negative person became positive. So that's where this whole campaign, it's called like U equals U, which means undetectable means untransmissible. Wow. Fuck me! I had I just it's I know, just, and that's what I never knew this as well. I like know so much about HIV now. The culture is very much uh, on the weekend. We go out, you know. Alcohol is the only drug that yeah. is that it's weird if you don't drink or 100%. if you don't take it. So like, the, so there's very much a culture to go out, party, have sex with randoms, all of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But. When it comes to STDs, it's just nobody not talks about, about them. Nobody, it's like completely taboo, and it's the same. Like it's not as bad with like sex topics or talking about like kinks that you're into and things like that. But that is still in itself very taboo, and I love talking about that kind of stuff. Totally. But then, like you head into this territory, like nobody's, like, very few people 
are willing to talk about it when in reality it affects so many people like I know multiple people with herpes I know now multiple people living with HIV like Mm. it does affect people and it does affect like somebody that we've probably driven past in the last five minutes Mm. and then to your point earlier don't you, be addicted to yeah. strangers because they could be going through something. Literally, like and they're just here. acting like everything's fine. Wow. Got deep again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I, uh, I, I can't imagine the the stress of that six week period. Yeah. And like, I guess the way that you managed it or dealt with it was very much privately mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of Miranda shout out to Miranda yeah like, shout out Rance. what a what a fucking what a gal like, like to have been there for you through just what yeah the, the probably the is it fair to say the lowest six weeks of oh, your life oh without a doubt hands down worst thing I've ever ever been through just because it's so like drawn out like say if somebody you know close to you dies you've got that like period of like mourning and you go through the grief process this is like six weeks of not knowing what the fuck is going on you don't have the ability to process it because you don't know sure so it's a completely kind of different like different process of grief i guess yes yes it very much is and that's it, that's actually a very good way to put it. It's a it's a process of grief because you're kind of coming out of this version of yourself that you were before. It's like mm-hmm. you know you're gonna be a different person afterwards. Uh, yeah. So now, if somebody, God forbid, is diagnosed with um, with this, mm-hmm. and they're in the similar type of uh, limbo period of finding out if it's legitimate mm-hmm. or not. Uh, is there anything that you can suggest based on your own experience that they do in this interim period? Yeah, for sure. I think, honestly, the main thing is do not spiral out of control like I did. Like, And that's so easy for me to sit here and say because I didn't do that at all. Um, but from like a health perspective, when I like came out of this and I was okay, like my health was like deteriorating in other ways from like drinking every day, smoking Mm. every day. My health was so bad, Mm. eating like bad foods or not eating at all. Mm. Um, So that was, that's definitely probably, that's an important thing to consider, but I completely get why you can't. No, no, no. But also just like with the knowledge of this, like if the, if the diagnosis was positive Mm -hmm. and your health was at the point that it was, yeah. Um, that could have really affected exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. And I think the other thing would be just, like, telling somebody you really, really trust. Mm. Um, like, I had Miranda, and I don't know what I would have done without her through that entire thing. Like, she would answer my calls at any time when I'm just, like, crying because I've lost it. There were so many ups and downs. Like, sometimes I'd be like, yeah, okay, it's cool. Like, there's no way it's going to be positive. And then other times I'm like, this is my life. Like, this is what it is. Mm. Um, so there were so many like ups and downs. So to be able to have that like one person that I could completely trust and go through that whole thing with, it just was a game changer. Find a Miranda. Find a Miranda. Find a Miranda in your life. And if you don't have a Miranda, I guess the the next best thing would be honestly, like, there's lifelines, but 
so when um, the doctor said to me, like, when I was the state that I was only gross, he just was like to me, um, are you suicidal? Do you, here's a number and I'm like that does not help me Interesting. it does okay. not help me at all okay and then like I've been getting messages like this that episode that I made I probably went live with it like at least I don't know maybe six seven months ago um since I've been live with her I've had people find me it's weird that it's mostly been on Facebook and not Instagram um but they found me and said that they're literally going through the same thing and I've been messaging them like every day that they needed me like waiting for their results to come back like trying to help them as much as I can these strangers that are in different countries it's happened three times three or four times um so yeah finding somebody that I don't know can relate to you or exactly what you're going through honestly like reddit is a really good one there's a really good thread in that um in reddit um which is like a support network basically for information one and also a lot of people in that um in that thread are positive as well so when you can find somebody that can relate to exactly what you're going through can be hugely beneficial wow that's actually that's a gold nugget of wisdom there no because that's (laughs) no but that's actually so right (laughs) yeah well reddit or even just like uh, I'm sure like YouTube videos would yeah. be able to find people that have dealt with it. YouTube mm-hmm. videos or podcasts that have people that have dealt with it that you can reach out to and that's kind of one of the amazing things that I've noticed I guess just about the internet in general like if a lot of people see like say a YouTube video or a content creator as, as completely unreachable but mm-hmm. often when you, especially with something like this if you reach no, out they'll, they'll reply without a fucking doubt like I would literally reply to anybody that messaged me about this or even if it was like something different, like I'm that's like half the reason why I started my podcast is to talk about things that people don't talk about mm. and hope that like if that helps one person, that piece of content or whatever I'm talking about, if that helps one person, then I'm so freaking happy about that. That's incredible. <laughs> I think that's a I think that's an incredible place to to tie a bow on this literal, <laughs> literal gift of an episode. Um, like honestly, Tez, I I really appreciate you, and I and I I appreciate you for so many different reasons. But and this is something that is like I just didn't expect, I guess, as like a a point of conversation with us. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm like so much richer because of it. And oh, I think that means so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I think I think that was that was really special. So thank you, Tess. You're so welcome. It takes a lot of courage to speak openly about personal things to your friends, let alone a bunch of strangers online. So for that, Terry, I really want to thank you for opening up in the way that you did and sharing your experience with us. Last week, I was a guest on Terry's podcast called "The Fair Bit Going On." It was a banger of an episode. I highly recommend you have a listen to it. But otherwise, I've left all of Terry's links in the description below. I'll see you on Friday for Funny Uber Rides.